0: Well, here we go as we start in chapter twelve, our last chapter of the book of Daniel. I I just hope and pray that you've enjoyed, if if that's the right word, if you've enjoyed this chapter. Or this whole book as much as I have. I think in some places it was it was quite chilling, but I think it was meant to be to get our attention, to wake us up, to help us get ready and prepared, to help us even see what's going on in our world today and help us to understand what God is doing. So um, just come with me as we finish this this wonderful book, as we have learned so much. Pray with me, please. Father in heaven, thank you for this astounding book. And we know that it is in the word of God on purpose. And it is because you want your children to know, to understand, to to be able to be ready and prepared for for how to deal with life today and how to to hope and cling to our whole our our future of what's going to happen father again we just thank you and praise you you are great you are awesome you are worthy of all of our praise and we will truly give you all the glory in jesus name amen well if you have your bible there just do what we always do this is my bible i believe it's god's word i believe every word is true and it is all that i need What a journey it's been, and yet as we started Daniel chapter 1, it was very clear that there was a distinct message, and how Daniel was going to be such a light, such a testimony to how to live in difficult times. God has had a pattern, and This book has really helped me to see because he, from Nebuchadnezzar to Belshazzar to Darius to to the kingdoms, the Babylonian Empire, the the Medes and Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, and then the Roman Empire, and then to look back in history and watch all these visions that that were given to the people like Nebuchadnezzar, and, and to the writing on the wall of Belshazzar, to the four visions that Daniel received. Um, it, is, it is such a prophecy, a prophecy twofold, one for the near future. When I say near future, I mean, it's like 500 years. Daniel only saw part of the prophecy fulfilled, but then he too had to just trust But then there was another prophecy, and that was the far-reaching prophecy, which is the one that we are living in today. But we have learned from historians that the prophecy that was given to Daniel, the near prophecy, that the hundreds of years, as we look back on those hundreds of years, it was fulfilled to the detail. So as we look and project to our the prophecy we live in now, we can live in the hope that it's going to happen, but also live in the warning. You know, right from the from Genesis 3, once sin came into the world, God in his grace came up with a plan for us. And it's really a very simple plan. And I think that's why the verses that we memorize, the verses that we know, and I call them the absolutes, the non-negotiables. You know, there are things in Scripture that, that you know, there's different opinions on and different ways to look at it. But with the non-negotiables, like salvation and how it is received and how we are able to... to be saved. It's very clear. There's no denominational difference there. There can't be. It's just so point blank clear. And it's verses like God so loved the world that he gave his son, knowing that Jesus was the only sacrifice that he would accept. His blood was the only blood that would be able to, to be sufficient to cover sin. And then and then we have verses like Acts four for 12 salvation is found in none other there is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. God's terms are very simple. You believe in Jesus. You accept Jesus. You confess and you repent. You go to the cross. You realize that in and of yourself, you are nothing. There's nothing we could do for our salvation. And yet Jesus has done it all for us. And we receive that. And on that day, very second of our salvation, this given the Holy Spirit to be able to, to enable us to be able to live this life the way God commanded in his word. So, and if, if we don't, the flip side, and this is, this is why it's very simple. It's either obedience and salvation in Jesus, or it is disobedience, self, and consequences, punishment, judgment, it's just that he is salvation or judgment salvation or judgment and and he has made it so clear that in in daniel that people who do not have jesus that they are just pawns in the devil's hands oh they think they're all sufficient they think they are powerful they think that they can handle everything and all gifts that they have are from their own, their own work ethic or whatever. But the thing is, we know that evil today is just, they're just palms in the devil's hands. See, that's why it is so important, like in one of the chapters in Daniel, that we were given a a new revelation. I think so many of us look at that there's earth and then there's heaven. When you die, you go to heaven. And we totally do not understand what's going on in the heavenly realms, that it is not this euphoric picture that we once thought, that there are enemies, um, there are warriors, there are messengers of the devil warring against the warriors and the messengers of God. There is good and evil Battling, and we can be thankful for that because we have we have warriors, God's messengers, who are fighting for us on our behalf. But we have to recognize that this is going on in the heavenly realms, and that's why it's so important that we know in Revelation twenty one that someday when all evil and wickedness is gone, that we will experience a new heaven and a new earth both brand new because Jesus had John, right? Because the old order of things have passed away. So when we watch this book of Daniel unfold, we saw how Nebuchadnezzar had this vision, and the vision was this statue, which represented four empires. And of course, the Babylonians, they were the head, they were the gold head, and Nebuchadnezzar, Thought for sure that he was, he was his 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 kingdom was just going to rule the world forever. And then, of course, you know he has this vision, and Daniel is the one given the he is just given this ability by God, and he interprets this dream and has to tell Nebuchadnezzar face to face. And remember, Daniel is a young teenager and how awful it must have been but because of of the kingdom of judah's disobedience and wouldn't listen and would not repent they and listen to the prophets and repent they would go into exile and that's exactly what happened but unfortunately there were some wonderful people godly people that had to go into exile as well and daniel's family was one of them And can you imagine how difficult it must have been, maybe one night worshiping their God in their little quarters in exile, and then all of a sudden... Pounding at the door, and and they they yank Daniel right from from his home, and and is taken away to the palace. And but God is in the middle of it all. I think that has been the theme that's resonated through this whole book. God is in it. It looks like evil wins, and we're going to see that over and over in history. And this is what we could hang on to now, and it, until the very end of time, it's going to look like evil is winning but just at the right time and one of our sons preached Sunday and it was it was just so I love the sentence that he said as he was preaching in the advent season he says we wait in the darkness for the light but he says how apropos in our world today that's so dark he says never forget that God is breathing and he's breathing what? He's breathing. He's bre- breathing his love and his joy and his peace and mostly his hope that to hang on. He's still in charge. God is still breathing life and hope in his children to just never give up even in the middle of darkness and Daniel represents that. He showed his whole life practically was lived in exile. You talk about watching someone live in dire conditions his whole life and not give in to the culture of the day that stood firm. But how did he do that? It was because he he had a discipline, prayer life. He stayed connected to his God. He was committed. He studied. He knew his scriptures. He kept growing. He kept maturing. It is work. But if you have a desire to want to stay close to your God, the one who saved you, then you will do what it takes. So as we watch Nebuchadnezzar, we saw Daniel give him the final straw saying, you know what? If you do not repent, you will go out in the fields and eat grass like an animal. You will grow claws. You will grow feathers. And you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, a whole year later, he's prancing around the the his the palace rooftop, just kind of almost breaking his arm, patting himself on the back on how great he is and how how much he has worked this kingdom to greatness and how he is so great and. His palace and his belongings and material possessions are so great. And in that very second, all of a sudden, can you imagine what it looked like? I starts growing these claws and these feathers, and he acts like an animal out in the fields, and he's eating grass. I would say that was a good attention getter. And for seven years he did that, but the key is he looked up. After seven years of this, he finally, he finally came to his senses and he realized that Daniel's God was the only God and that one God became his God and and he was given back his kingdom and his power and and, and God is so gracious. But see, Nebuchadnezzar, he saw and he realized and he was willing to humble himself. And the same thing, you know, with with, uh, Belshazzar. It's like this formula kept repeating itself. They start so pagan. They start so, so um, worshiping of other gods, little g. But this time, Daniel told Belshazzar with a handwriting on the wall You are going to die. You have to repent. If you don't repent, you will die tonight. And Belshazzar, this was one time where Belshazzar wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it at all. And that night, Belshazzar was was taken. He was killed. He was he died. But again, there it is. You obey with confession and repentance and humbling and surrender, or and and then you live. You live. But if you don't, you will not only die but eternally die. And you will go to hell. I mean, this is the message. And this repeated itself over and over. And as as the evil takes over different empires, different leaders, different rulers, and we, we just can't help but see that God says, okay, I'll let it go for a while. But just at the right time, it's like comes through and shows himself to give his remnant, his people, hope. I mean, you think of what was going on at the time when the Romans had had were in charge of the empire. And and the, the the whole goal of Satan is to destroy God's people. First of all, to make sure that they don't even get to know God. So he will do whatever it takes to try to keep you from the blood of Christ. But then once he does so-called lose us, and we have and we do come to, to the cross and, and we do accept Jesus. Yes, he can no longer possess us, but he certainly can still make it so that we are just plain unusable. I mean, we, we are very ineffective for God's kingdom because we fall into the same kind of things that the world does. Our human feelings take over our faith. And that, you just think about it. When you see somebody even if they call them worry and yet they're fearful and they're panicked and all they do is worry and, and they, they're just miserable and, and they're doomed and they're down and they're defeated and they're just discouraged and they're just depressed. and I mean, who wants to come along with that? If this is what Christianity is, which it isn't, But see, that is Satan's way of making us ineffective. He doesn't want us living in in the, can I say the words of Christmas? I mean, Jesus came to this earth as a baby and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, but it's, it's through his birth that we now can have hope and peace and love and joy. These words that, yeah, resonate Christmas, but it's because Jesus came, and He's the author of those words. So as as we look at you know those those things, this is what Jesus wants to give us, and and so we can either have a one way or the other. So after we see these these things transpiring in in this pattern, in this formula going on in the lives of these different kingdoms and in, in now in the Roman Empire. And you see how when Jesus came to this earth, you talk about a light in a dark world for God's people. How terrible it must have been. You think about the evil in, in King Herod when jealousy and all those human emotions start taking over. And he just gets I mean, it's like he, he went mad because who in their right mind would say any baby boy two years old and under are to be killed? I would dare say there were some mothers that had their babies ripped from their arms that thought it can't possibly get worse than this. And yet because of Jesus, there is our hope. See God is still breathing life and hope for his people, never, never mistaken this world and all what 's happening in our world. I mean we blame leaders we blame, we blame nations and different religions and all that, but they 're just pawns in the devil's hands, but we have a God who's so much greater, who reigns, who rules, and is getting our world ready for the final ending when evil will be banished. That is what we hold on to. We even think about in our in in our recent history books. I mean it's World War I, World War II, and I think of with World War II how a person like Adolf Hitler could come into power and start to rule the world, so to speak. That was his goal. And how he took God's people and just annihilated them. The thousands that were either gassed or murdered. The children that were taken from families. I'm sure that there were many at that time that said, it can't get any worse than this. There are... are, there's, there's so many different illustrations, but the same pattern. But God is still breathing life into his people and showing us hope. I just can't say that enough. So we are, as I said in the past weeks, we are in God's plan. We're in the middle. We're in the middle of it. We don't know how long this pattern is going to keep going until the Final, and as we watched Chapter Eleven, it's like the final vision of Daniel. You could see how, in that chapter, remember we broke it down in four parts. The first, the first part having to do with the Greek Empire, the rising of Alexander the Great, how he conquered the world in a short period of time, and then. Um, then he passed away, he died at an early age, and then his kingdom did not go to his descendants, but went to four generals. And then in the second part, from verses 5 to 20, we watched these two out of the four generals take over the Greek empire. And then we watched in those verses, we saw how how out of the two generals, the, the two powers, remember how we go back and, and how the we talked about two horns representing those those two generals, but then out of those two horns came a little horn a little horn that came out of nowhere. He had no royal background. He really had no military background. He just came out of nowhere. And he just knocked those two generals, those two powers, just right out. And he started ruling the world in a short period of time. And he was the worst ever. His name was Antichus Epiphanes. How he came on the scene and he looked like the hero of the world and and I just, I still, I look at Antichus, Antichrist, I mean, what God gave us through Antichus Epiphanes, which we could look back in history books and know that he was for real, and he was so terrible, and he hated God's people. I mean, how, how you know for before him when the when the two when the two generals were ruling for two hundred years back and forth, north versus south, south versus north, and all who was going to control God's people, who was going to control, who was going to control Israel? The whole the whole object is getting at God's people. And then when Antichrist Epiphanes, when he's on the scene, you know, he's just kind of a crazy nut. He's back and forth, back and forth, and and all of a sudden he gets threatened, and he gets his fury. It says his fury is out of control, and so what does he do? He goes after God's people, and I'm sure it was a bloodbath. But then there was kind of like a warning. It was kind of, if you are not grounded in God's word, if you are not grounded in your trust, and your belief, in who he is there's a good chance you could when all of these things when when someone like antigone is coming after your family it's it could be so easy to recant to, to flip sides to change teams that's why we need to be prepared and warned and grounded in god's word to stay connected to him through prayer that he Takes over our life that we can we can trust that he will give us the strength and the courage. This is what we learned from the book of Daniel, and in the fourth part, in the fourth part of that chapter, we we see how Daniel's prophecy is now gone to the future, the way future, the the one, the end of time the one we're looking toward. And we don't know if we will be here at that time. We have no idea. All I know is that God has come the days. He's got the days. God knows. And I just take comfort in the fact that as his whole formula, as as his prime principle has been going through and it doesn't change, God's word doesn't change, I can look back and say he's, He's, he's doing the same thing. I can hold on, even though it looks like right now culture and evil is winning. I have a God that's still breathing strength and courage in my life. And I know that because of the future promise, there is, there is a hope that someday God will right every wrong, that he will reign with justice, that all evil will finally be gone. This is where chapter 12 starts. It's kind of like at the end of chapter 11, we saw such a a powerful, uplifting visual when it says that the Antichrist, because as we have seen with Antichrist Epiphanes, we know that this is what's going to happen. Another leader will rise out of nowhere and look like he's going to be the savior of the world and he's going to look like he's going to bring peace and euphoria for everyone. And so many will get sucked up into the deceit and the lies that he is going to to bring. And you know what? whether we're here or whether our children, that's why it's so important that we get grounded so that we can pass this on to our children and then to the grandchildren, generation after generation. We've got to keep the remnant going. We've got to make sure that whether it's in our age or in in, an era to come, that we're passing this on like Daniel did. Remember that song. Do you dare to be a Daniel? In today's age, do you dare to stand alone? Because sometimes you feel like you are, just like Daniel. Dare to have a purpose firm. Yes, Daniel's purpose was firm. And it was just simply to stay connected and close and walking with his God, being obedient and growing and maturing in him. Dare to have a purpose firm. Dare to make it known that you're not afraid to stand up for Jesus and what he has done. So at the end of chapter 11, there we see that the Antichrist, look at after he will pitch his tents between the seas at the beautiful holy mountain. He has made himself God in the temple. He's made this abomination. He has had everybody worshiping him as he as the supreme being. He is the one and only. And so it just looks like he is, is well, evil has won. And then look, yet he will come to his end and no one will be there to help him. That's the way we ended in chapter 11. And as we move into chapter 12, at that time, at that time, we're talking about now the very end of time, and none of us knows when that is going to be. Remember, I still repeat, when Daniel was given his his near prophecy, it still was hundreds of years. And yet we can't get lax thinking, well, it's probably hundreds of years away. Today is the day of salvation because no one knows what tomorrow will bring. None of us knows what the next minute will bring, and we've all experienced experienced things that have happened in a split second that changed everything. And that's just things that involve our lives. Think about we don't know a split second when everything can change, when all of a sudden God has counted the days and we are moving into, we are moving into the, the last days, the very last days. And this is what we're talking about. At that time, when that happens, Michael, the great prince who protects your people will rise. This is the messenger telling Daniel, at that very end of time, you can know That there are warriors. The prince warrior, Michael, the archangel Michael. We know there's the angel Gabriel. There's certain angels, those two angels, we know their names. It's like they're kind of in charge. They work together. Michael is the warrior in battle times. And we know his name. He is the prince of warriors. And it says, the great prince to protect your people. He will arise Now, we know from chapter 10 that that there was a prince back in chapter 10, verse 13, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Gabriel is telling Daniel that for 21 days he had this battle going on with the prince of the Persian empire, which means the leader who is in charge of the warriors of Satan who, who who were helping The king or the ruler of that day and all the evil of the Persian Empire, he was in charge of that. But in the heavenly realms, there is a king, there is the prince of of the kingdom of Persia, and then there's the prince of God's people. Then they in the heavenly realms are going at war. They are warring together. We have to, it is quite, I mean, you talk about making a movie, what a movie that would be. But this is what's going on. And so at the end of time, we see that Michael rises up to protect your people. And why? Because there will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. In other words, there's never been a time like it. It's going to be worse than even during the time of Antiochus Epiphanes. But we've been warned. We've, we've, had, we've got the mental picture. We know the way God is working. We know his formula. We know that he's got his people. We know he's still breathing hope into them. Hang on. But this is going to be a time like none other. But to me, the next part of the verse gives you and I such incredible hope. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. I hope you've underlined that. I hope you start. I hope you do whatever it takes that that verse will be a prominent verse that you see when your Bible is open. Because it is such a verse of importance because everyone whose name is written in the book will be delivered. So why why is that important? What book are we talking about? It's that book of life, the book of life. How do you know? How do you know that your name is in that book? How can you wake up tomorrow morning, Knowing your name is in the book of life and you don't have to even have a speck of doubt that you with all confidence know that your name is in the book of life. Because it looks to me that your name has got to be in that book if you want to experience the deliverance of the Lord how do you get to, how is your name in the book of life how does it stay in the book of life it is the no there is only one way and i've already said john 3 16 acts 4 12 you take that humbling walk to the cross you know you need a savior you believe his blood will cover your sins you know that his holy spirit works within you you surrender your life your life is not about you anymore it's about him when you live and work like daniel did at keeping that life, that spiritual life with your Savior intact, your name, without a doubt, is in that book of life. And if you have any doubt, I said to my classes this week when I got to this verse, I don't care how long I have to stay, but if there is anyone who has even the slightest doubt that they're another second. Is not in that book, then please do not go another second. And so I plead with you as well. This is one area of your life that you can be sure of, but you have to take the the terms. You've got to take the measures that God has set up. It is not, I repeat, it is not faithful church attendance, it is not good deeds. It is not all the attributes that that people are that people are quite awed by you. I mean, well, I could go on and on. It's not that, and it's even not because you had a wonderful upbringing and and you had wonderful parents that taught you. And I mean, there's just so many things that I think people believe the lie of the enemy. That they don't have to do anything themselves. That it's just kind of passed down. It's it's how we, it's it's the works that we do. But please know, and again I say I plead with you, there is only one way that your name is in the book of life. And if you want to be delivered, let's just make sure. Just come to Jesus. He's w- welcoming. You with open arms. He's been waiting for you, actually, for you just to come and kneel before him and confess your sins, see yourself the way you truly are, and accept the gift of his salvation, and then accept the gift of his spirit, who then starts the process of a new life, a new life in Christ you'll start understanding those words that only Jesus can give. Real love, real joy, real peace and real hope. Everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. Now I'm going to say a word that maybe some denominations do not believe but can I just say that maybe it's time that we stop believing what our denomination presses on us, that we believe because we found it in God's word. It's kind of like the Berean people. Remember when Paul was on his missionary journeys, those Bereans, they listened to Paul, but they checked everything that he said with scripture. I am not trying to put down denominations. It's just that the church of God bases. This is why Paul said to Timothy when he was handing over the mantle to Timothy, preach God's word. Preach God's word. It is the book that will give you everything you need to lead God's people. Jesus himself said to his disciples, I know you've been taught. All 12 of them were were." Trained in a Jewish home. It is so easy to believe exactly what you are so-called commanded to believe. But as Jesus took these twelve for these three years, he said, now you're gonna you're gonna believe what I tell you. Now you're gonna see for yourself. And Jesus' words are this is this Bible. This is God's word. This Jesus, as John put it in the beginning, was the word. Jesus is the word. And so he says, let that book teach you. So I am going to throw this word out to you. Because when it says that at that time, but at that time, at that time, when judgment starts, remember judgment could happen within a split second, but God did it in, in a time span because it was not His will that any perish, and He was going to, as He's bringing this world to an end, He is still going to give people chances for a time. But it says that at that time, if your name is in the book, you will be delivered. Paul says in Thessalonians take comfort in these words because at the sound of the trumpet the dead in Christ will rise and then if it's if it's us whoever is here at the time of the beginning of the end then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air so when I'm challenged When someone says, well, then you believe in two second comings. I say, well, no, I don't. Because I believe that the rapture is when his people who are here, the dead in Christ will rise first. And then those who are alive and and remain will be caught up with him in the clouds and we meet the Lord in the air. And then in Revelation 19, when he makes his return to this earth the multitudes follow him. And I I believe that's me. I believe and I hope that you believe that's you. When he comes back to reign on this earth, when he comes back to war, the final battle, and then to reign in this earth. For a thousand years, but we don't know. A thousand years are like a day to him. But. I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters how long or or what is symbolic and what is not. What matters is that we know that we belong to him and that we will be delivered and the multitudes will come back with him. I think this is so exciting. I don't have to know all the details. I don't have to know how this is all going to work. I think it's way beyond my human brain capacity anyway. And there are some things he says, you just have to trust me. And I don't know exactly when we will be, when his people will be taken out. I do know, though, that it's not that God's people are always exempt from pain and torture and persecution. We have watched through the book of Daniel. We've watched through history. I think of people today who are in the underground, Iraq, Iran, North Korea, who are Christians, who are loving Jesus, who know that if they're found out, they will be beheaded. Oh, we think when somebody makes fun of us or calls us a name, oh, we're being persecuted. I think it's hard for us because we've been so spoiled, really. We've been so extremely blessed. Blessed. To live in this kind of freedom we've almost gotten ourselves desensitized to what is really going on to people who are being tortured and martyred for the cause of Christ we don't know exactly how this is all going to play out or when and the timing we might have to suffer for the cause of Christ I mean really suffer to the point of, of giving our human bodies over but our assurance is that our souls our souls at the time of our either our earthly death or when we are taken up to glory to think that our souls remain with Jesus Our souls, I don't have to know exactly how that all works. Where are our loved ones right now that have gone before us? We know that absent in the body is present with the Lord. I don't understand. I know that their souls are at best with Jesus. And that at just the right time, when the dead in Christ rise first, when the heavenly, new heavenly body is then brought with the soul. It is going to be quite a sight when the dead in Christ rise. And then we which are alive and remain are caught up with him in the clouds. And we're going to see even this, how, how the messenger tells Daniel about a resurrection. how how our earthly remains will rise and be changed into a new body and be united with our soul so that then we will reign with him in perfection. It's hard to wrap our minds around perfection. We've never known that. But that's how important that verse is, that your name is written in the book. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth, just like what I was just talking about. Multitudes who have died will awake. But again, very clear. Some, when the resurrection happens, the dead in Christ will rise to everlasting life. But at the time of the resurrection, for those who have not accepted Jesus, they too will rise, but to face everlasting contempt, which is another word for eternal death in hell. Those who are wise, those who are wise, we have seen that word since Daniel's praise prayer at the beginning of the book. When he says, you, Lord, you give wisdom to the wise. That was life-changing for me. To be able to see that God gives wisdom to the wise. Now, why would a wise person need wisdom? They're already wise. Well, a wise person is just, and I know I've said it so many times in the last weeks, but a wise person is one that they know in and of themselves they're not. So they have enough wisdom to go to the one who is wise. A wise person knows they're not wise to go to the one who is. That's myself. that's my, my self-definition of a wise person. And I think if you and I can say that that, we're wise. It simply means that we know we're not, but we have a book and we've got a Savior. We've got the Holy Spirit who will then give us what we need to know. Give us an understanding of what we need to understand. And so the wise, the wise who depend on their God for everything, the, the one who knows in and of themselves, they're nothing the ones who old has passed away and new has come, they are new creatures of Christ. They go to the one for their source. The wise, they will look. What happens when you're willing? Because it is work. It takes hard work. It took hard work for Daniel to say to stay committed and strong in the middle of that culture. It takes work for us. It takes it takes our. Bible's open. It takes studying. It takes a prayer, a a prayer life, a constant connection with God. You have to want it bad. You have to desire it so much that you'll put in the effort. But that's a wise person. And then look what the results are. You shine. You will shine. When the light of Jesus, when the radiancy of Jesus is inside of you, it comes out of you and you do radiate. You do shine, like Paul says in Philippians. Philippines. He says that we, we can shine like a star in the dark night in this depraved generation. Paul said that back then. It's just so relevant today. We're living in such a depraved generation, in such darkness, looking like evil is winning. But you and I have the privilege, we've got the opportunity, we can't miss it, to be a light, to shine like a star in this darkness And that's because of the radiancy, the light of our Savior who we're working and knowing better and better. And he comes out of us and people can see it. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. See, when you have the characteristics of Christ, when the light of Jesus is coming out of you, you have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control coming out of you. And that is so noticeable. Just like Daniel, look how he he just, he was like a star in the darkness. He stood out. Isn't that what you want? Not for yourself, but for God's kingdom. That because of your life, because of the radiance of Jesus shining through you, that people see these nine fruit of the spirit coming out of you, that they then come to you in this dark, depraved generation. When you're living out this hope and you're living out this joy and peace in the middle of these storms, you think, that they won't come to you and ask you why and how you can live like this. And you have the opportunity to lead people into righteous living. Jesus enables us to live right. But you, Daniel, verse 4, but you, Daniel, now close up. Close up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. He gave Daniel this so that you and I right now at this time can be studying this. But he's basically saying to Daniel, okay, you know, he, he, he's in his late 80s. I think he knows he's at the end of his life. God knows he's at the end of his life. Do you know we really don't hear about Daniel, what really happened to him after this? I think we saw Daniel's life, his whole life. It's such an example of how we are to live our lives. And now, Daniel, it's like I can almost hear God say, Daniel, thank you. Thank you for living through this and standing firm and now wavering in the darkness. Thank you for shining like a star. Now seal this up. Until that time of the end, many will go here and there to increase knowledge. That can be one of two things I mean it can be people you know when they get nervous and then they they get every self and self book written, and they want to they want to have more answers and they don 't have an inch of trust in them, so they have to have all the facts they 've got to be able to understand it all and it could be that, that they're just kind of running crazy trying to find answers. Or, and this is what I, I pray it means, that many will go here and there to increase knowledge. That you just go into God's Word, you stay in Bible study, that you, that you I, I love, want to increase your knowledge. And I, I love the word knowledge, just knowing Him better. Not having to have every answer, but just knowing him better. Because the more you know him, the more you'll trust him. And the more you trust him, the more you'll dare surrender to let him work through you. So that you can use the opportunities he gives you and I to shine like stars. Then I, Daniel... Verse 5, looked, and there before me stood two others, one on the bank of the river and one on the opposite bank. So whether that was Michael and Gabriel, one standing on one side, one standing on the other, one of them said to the man clothed in linen, which I hope you know from the past, but the references to Revelation 1 from Daniel's vision, I hope that you know that this man, clothed in linen, is the preincarnate Christ. And if you were in doubt, look at these words, who was above the waters of the river. I had to smile. I thought, oh, he's walking on the water already. Or even more so, he's above the waters so that you have to look up. That is the direction. You look up. Nebuchadnezzar had to look up you and I have to look up and when we look up it takes our eyes off looking to the side it, looks, it takes our eyes off looking to our past in fact even our future we look up we see everything we need to see so often people panic about the future that means they're just looking forward but they're not looking up look up and so these two messengers, one says to the pre Christ, how long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? This is such a practical question, isn't it? I mean, whenever our trial hits us, I think one of the first things I think of, how long is this going to last? And then the man, clothed in linen answered, who was above the waters of the river. He lifted his right hand and his left hand toward heaven, and I heard him swear by him who lives forever, saying, it will be for a time, times, and to have a time. This is why I study in Revelation after this. When we take, I take it on in the spring. Even though we might have been through Revelation many times after we've studied Daniel, to just again watch this Old Testament hundreds and hundreds of years prior, and then what Jesus told John to write down, how they just go so hand in hand. I wouldn't have understood what time, times, and a half a time, but Revelation explains this is three and a half years. Now we know that judgment will probably. Last for seven years, but the last three and a half is when, if I say this in an earthly way, all hell will break loose. I mean, not literally, but it is this is when, like the first verse says, there will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until now. It will be for a time, times, and a half a time, and when the power of the holy people has been finally broken, all these things will be completed. It will, that's another word, please underline, because at the end of time, at the very end of time, when all the days have been counted, everything will be completed. Judgment will be completed Evil will be gone. We will reign with God forever. This this is what we long for. This is what we hold on for. This is the promise we cling to. I heard, but I did not understand. Look at even, even Daniel doesn't understand this all. So I asked my Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? Isn't that the second question? How long is this going to last? And then how is this going to end? This time, the Lord Lord doesn't really answer in so many words, but he does say this to Daniel. Daniel, go your way. Daniel, you just live your life the way you've been living it, and when it's time you will pass away and then you will rest thank you for all you have done now seal this up it's going to be it's written down so that future generations can learn from you and hope and hope in their future it was. It's almost soothing. It's almost so comforting when, because you can see how long um and what how's this all gonna end, and it's like, it's like the pre-incarnate Christ just says, "Relax, Daniel. You have done your job, and you just did it in the way I needed it to be done." Because the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. Many you know in the in the first part of the tribulation this this to me gives well, it shouldn't get get us lazy and lax, but it does show God's grace, many will be purified, made spotless, and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked It's quite a profound verse. There will be chances for those even during the tribulation to come to know Christ. I think it will be horrible. That's why we're told that while you've got time now, do it now. Because I think they will instantly be martyred. I think it will be horrible for them. But still, there will be chances. When we study Revelation, you will see that during the seven seals and the seven trumpets, when calamity is happening on this earth, you talk about evil and wicked and And how intense it is. Even when people are are being killed by the big rocks that are coming down, they would rather be clobbered than accept that Jesus is the Savior. Instead, they raise their fists and they blaspheme his name. And I think that's why in the last chapter of the last book of God's word, it's like Jesus says to John, write this down. I have nothing more I can say. I I from the from the beginning I have laid the the simple plan out. It's either salvation in Christ or its judgment. In the Old Testament it was salvation in the promise of the savior. Because of Jesus and we're living in in this age, we are saved because of the blood of Jesus. Or it is judgment. It's like Jesus said to John, you know what, I, I can't give any more, I can't make it any more clear. And if they don't respond by now, then let the wicked be wicked, let the vile be vile. So be it. They had their chance. They had their choice. It says that the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand. Of course they won't. But those who are wise, they will understand. Doesn't that give you such a secure feeling That when this all erupts, that God's got it all intricately planned and that he delivers his children. From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. I'm sure many of you thought, oh, good, I'm going to get this explained to me. What do those days mean? 1,290, 1,335. I... I tried and tried to figure that out. What could this mean? What could that time? And I couldn't. I just simply couldn't. And so I just asked the Lord, please, what do you want me to know about this? I'm sure that there are many scholars that maybe have figured it out. But, but I think on a whole, no, the, these are some of the mysteries. But yet the Lord did give me some insight And it comforted me. It's all I needed to know. It's just like he was saying, I got the days counted. Just like I've said many times so far today. God's got the days counted. And all I need to know is that he's got them counted. And I can trust that. And I'm going to leave it there. And I hope you can too. But he said, blessed is the one who waits blessed are you and i with what and i go back to when daniel had this vision when he had this last final vision and so in chapter 10 when, when because we we know that chapters 10 11 and 12 kind of all group together but when his when he had this vision when he had this oversight of of this intense vision It just overwhelmed him. Remember when he said, I'm overcome with anguish because of this vision. I'm helpless. My strength is gone. I can hardly breathe. Yeah, sometimes it's not an easy road. And from what we have read in today's lesson, no, it's not going to be easy. It wasn't easy for God's people all throughout history. It's not going to be easy for God's people now, and it's certainly not going to be easy ever until God delivers us on just the right day. But he says, blessed are those who wait for that day. Because what happened to Daniel? When he admitted, this is just overpowering. When life seems to overpower, when we listen to the news and we're tempted to let that overwhelm us and we feel the doom and we feel the hopelessness. Let the Holy Spirit wake you up and remind you of what you've learned. Dare to admit and be honest with God and then let God touch you just like God touched Daniel. What happened when God touched Daniel? And we say, well, he doesn't literally touch. Well, you know what? He does through his spirit. He touches that part of us that reminds us of truth. He gets us into his word, the book of truth that we've heard over and over. This is the book of truth. He touches us through his truth. And what happened to Daniel? His strength was restored. He heard God say to him, peace. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Peace. Now be strong. Be strong. And those are the same words God is saying to you and I today as we end this enormous but blessed study we've been blessed because we've studied this that no matter what era we're living in blessed are you if you wait with confidence and trust and strength in the Lord God and when you start to feel your human nature taking over you look up you look up and you know that he will touch you he will touch me and we can wait for the day of the Lord. At just the right day. Because he's counting them out. Look how this ends. in Verse 13. As for you. As for you. To, but put your name in there. Oh this was great. Put your name in there. As for you. Linnell. Go your way. Till the end. Just keep on. Just keep living. Keep serving. Keep surrendering. Keep studying. Keep learning. Keep living for Jesus. Dare to be a Daniel. Because if the end, the very end does not happen, I know I'm getting older. And we know that, Any of us at any time can die. But look what he says. Keep living until you do. And then look what will happen. You will rest. You will rest safely in Jesus. And then at the end of the days, you will rise. Not maybe or hope hope you will. No, it says you will. After all the days are counted, and every day that he's counted, and it comes down to that day, you will rest and then you will rise to receive your allowed inheritance. I have a feeling we're going to be like Paul when we get there. We're going to be looking around and we're going to say, That's all I had to go through to be able to get all this. Things will definitely get in perspective. I think we will be in awe of all what we're allowed. It. All the inheritance that was promised. And I think we're going to stand there. And I think, I just, I just love to picture this. I picture Jesus saying, but Linnell, I told you. I told you this is what was going to be yours. I told you, this is what I promised you. I pray that you can see that this study really did change you. You are ready. You are prepared. You've been warned. It's black and white. It's either salvation or judgment. And maybe we don't understand every little intricate detail of how it's going to work. But then we let the mysteries of God be what they are. Salvation. All I know is that salvation brings a lot of inheritance. And I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. And I'm going to wait with strength and courage. Because he is worth it. Heavenly Father, I just don't know what to say. Simple words of thank you are just not enough. Father, may I be willing to surrender and let you use my life the way you need that I will be a shining star in this dark world that I will be brave and courageous and strong as we face difficult, dark days and maybe even persecution. That we will look up and see your face and know that it will be worth it all. And we pray this all in our Savior's name. And it's because he lives we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear can be gone. Because we know, we know who holds our future. Count in the days. And that does make life worth living. We pray this all in our Savior's name. Amen.